as a busy mother of two small children, I have to admit that in the last five years, I have not read very many books. True story. And I, I take no pride in that because I am um, a voracious reader normally. I really am a, a bookworm. Um, but I just you just don't have the time, do you, when there's somebody going, mummy, 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 and the other one wants to be on the boob the whole time. Uh, but... When Melinda Ferguson, who is my publisher and friend, told me about a book she was going to be publishing, this was probably two years ago now, um, she said, you have to, you will absolutely love this, you have to do this. And she says that to me about a lot of books, and I go, oh, okay. Uh, and, then, uh, and then the time went by, and I think it was our open book in September uh, that we started talking again. And I went to one of Megan Horitz's sessions at Open Book, which was about motherhood. Oh, that was powerful, hey? That was a really powerful session. Um, and hearing Megan speak, and I thought, right, that's it. That's it. I need to get hold of a copy. And so I said to Hillian, who is um, Megan's uh, publicist, send me a copy of the book. I'll, I'll get onto it. Well, I know it's taken me a few months, but here we are. The last few days of my life, I've been absolutely consumed by Lane who is the protagonist in this extraordinary book called Lost Property. Um, and it's Megan's debut, which when you read it, you can't believe it's a debut. Hello, Megan. Hello, Sarah Jane. How are you, love? I'm good. Are you? I'm, I'm fresh on a Sunday morning. Are you fresh on a Sunday morning? <laughs> yes. I'm not so fresh. I'm not always <laughs> as fresh as I'd like to be. I try and portray that I'm quite fresh, but sometimes I'm not. Listen here. Melinda did not lie. She said to me, and she, and sometimes she sort of, you know, she does the whole, no, you've got to read this because she's doing her publisher bit. Mm. But this one, she looked me intently in the eye and she said to me, you've got to get on this. And I thought, OK, I picked it up the other day. I sat in my garden. I disposed of my children elsewhere uh, and I sat in the garden in a safe, contained environment. Yes. And I sat in a chair in my garden and I started reading and I thought, sure. This is this is something else. This has taken me somewhere else. And I, I and I know people say, oh, I couldn't put it down. But no, I couldn't put it down. I was then late collecting the children from where they were. Um, it's just extraordinary. So, to, so, the, so the 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 overview is Lane, who is the protagonist of yes. this book, um, and we go back and forth in time from Lane in the present day to Lane as a small small child, and. It's almost a, a a reckoning, a piecing together of how did I get to where I am. Um, Rana Zanopoulos, Rana Zanopoulos, who is a, who's also a, a, a writer, has said of this book, and she, she does a shout on the cover, and she says a rare example of how deeply personal fiction can be. It reads like memoir. Yes. And and I th imagine that's probably what attracted Melinda to it as a publisher, and that you know that's her that's her thing. Yes. Um, it reads like memoir. So is it? So it's uh, so much of the book is true okay. because it is based on me in the world, mm. but not everything. Okay. I've allowed myself the pos the what if possibility. Okay. So it's very important for me to to base the book on what I know yeah. and then explore the meaning of that through makeup stuff. Okay. So it really is, 
uh, lots of people always ask me, but what is true? Yeah. What's true in here? Yeah. People are hungry to understand what's true. And I always like to say a lot of it is true, mm. but a lot of it is is how I've chosen to explore those feelings. I get you. So made up characters, made up people in order to find meaning, in order to develop relationships and possibilities. And those made up people, are they amalgams of real people? Not all of them. Some of them are just completely... Some of them are completely fiction in order to put across a state of mind or um, a way of being or possibly even a way of healing. Yeah, this thing of, of, of writing to heal, and it's a question I often get asked because of the type of writing that I do, and 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 sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the writing's more painful than the, than the thing. Um, you you are Lane? I'm... Le- I'm I am Lane is a version of me. Yeah. But she's unreliable. She's okay. an unreliable narrator. So we don't because it's so deeply from her point of view. Right. We only experience her world. So interesting. And we don't that. necessarily experience the world of the other people. It's all through her. Yeah. And I think that that's what helps um create a world that is is deeply emotional and very fraught. Where did it come from? Where what's uh, where when when did you decide that you wanted to to write and and is this book that I'm holding in my hands now what you imagined would be the final product? Um I guess that's also a difficult question to ask. Um I was going through a particularly um dark and 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 sort of implosive situation Um, my marriage ended at the same time that COVID happened and I was writing in a kind of desperate space Um, Mm. not this Um, I was writing short stories and bits and pieces and I managed successfully to find a group online that was writing deadline for writers deadlines for writers do you recommend that to people listening in who if if, are they definitely really yeah Um, well it was it worked for me because all it was was committing to writing something over a year okay and so you submit once a week online and so every week you're writing a certain amount of words oh that's good when i sat down to write i literally was too scared to write this Hmm. but it kept on coming and it became the thing mm. that I wrote. Mm. Mm. Mel often talks about writing as collecting, and I love that because mm. that's. It, I, I think that that often there's a, an idea that when you write a book, you sit down at your um, your laptop or your typewriter or your whatever <laughs> typewriter. <laughs> yeah, um, and you go the beginning, chapter one, and then you stop writing at chapter 15 and you call it the end um i don't know that i've met in my life any writers that actually write in that way some writers write in a more organized way but did you the the fact that the book goes back and forth in Mm. time how did you piece it together was it collecting bits of writing and then kind of it finds itself how did you there was very little of that actually i think what happened was that i started and then i was like Oh, what is that? Uh, where do I go next? And then I kind of went backwards and, and wrote a kind of 
fictionalized memory of yeah. what it was like growing up um, in Joburg during apartheid. And then that sort of was so deeply personal that I kind of went forward again. And then after about four parts or four chapters, I understood that there were these there were these timelines yeah. and then I could with comfort back and forth and back and forth. As I was reading here or two, and I, and I know that not everybody likes sort of comparisons to, to other writers. So I hope you will allow me this, but just there were, there were parts of your writing that reminded me of two distinct authors. One of them is Margaret Atwood. What? I, the other one, I'll t- and I, I'll, I'll expand on, and the other one is Ivan Vladislavich, and I think mm. that's because of the Joburg thing. Yes. But you write Joburg, you know, I wasn't, I was born there, but I, I didn't grow up in Joburg. Yes. But you paint a picture of what life would have been like for a young person, white a Jewish. young white Jewish person growing up in a certain period. Um your, the, the character of, of Merle, the mother, uh, in, Merle and Larry, the, the, the father, they are so real, I could taste them. I could feel them in the room with me. Um, I know that mother, even though she's not my mother. Yes. I know that. I, I know... I know Larry. I can feel Larry. Um, even the brother, who is who is really a sort of secondary character, that that the the sibling relationship, mm. it's so it's just so real. It's so visceral. Um, the, the the Margaret Atwood thing for me is is the is the um, the recollection of of the, the writing of childhood and the memory and and the bringing that in and it reminded me of of parts of Cat's Eye where she goes kind of back and forth yes. uh, uh, and and that voice and and um, and then yeah the Ivan Vladislavish thing is is really probably around the, the Joburg thing an awful lot but just getting the nuance of 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 Joburg you grew so you you grew up in, in yes, Joburg I did. I did. Um, and you grew up with a mother and a father I did um, <laughs> Merle and Larry. Um, obviously, so many elements. Are they still alive, your parents? No, they're not. Okay, I'm going to stick a pin in a question, but yeah, go yeah. on. Um, they're not. Um, I think, so, it, let's start the conversation broadly and say, I think that when you decide that you're going to write a novel, mm. you are allowed to fictionalise aspects of self that help you explore who you yeah, are yeah, yeah. Um, instead of saying I am and meaning me and having to stick to the true story yeah. I can say how I was affected by them yeah. so then I can create that I can create the people who would have that effect on me I get so you. there's lots about Larry and Merle that are very much real yeah um, yeah my experience but I've allowed them to affect Lane I get in, a, in a particular way that makes them Probably worse. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I understand and, but that. But still real. But still, no, yeah. I, I absolutely, absolutely. I just want to read you guys the blurb from the back of the book, just so you've got a little, a little bit more context yes. of, 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 of the story. When Lane discovers that the man she's been married to for 15 years has been secretly living a monstrous lie, her world tilts on its axis. Now she must unravel her entire existence and peck through, peck through, 
stick a pin in that, peck through the pieces of her past to understand what has happened. What role did Merle, her chain-smoking, self-medicating mother, play in Lane choosing her deeply flawed husband? Could her loving but cowardly father Larry not have waited longer before he died to help Lane avoid making such a tragic mistake? Then there's the spectre of her magical childhood nanny, Dora Modise, who comes to her in dreams and these long-ago memories of bleeding pine trees and wounded birds. Yo, that scene finished me. Uh, But just when Lane thinks she's uncovered all the bitter truth a child appears to demand her attention. This small, fierce person forces her to confront the horror of her world and ignites a tiny flame of hope within. Um, you've The way you structure the novel isn't in chapters. It's in parts. Um, and I love that. And and each chapter, each, each part starts with, um, this is a part of the story when. Why that and how that? Or did it do itself? It mostly kind of did itself so it was how I started and then I thought well that's a a great device because it helps me center the moment in in place and time Mm. but what it also does is it helps you foreshadow so it can Mm. help you say okay this is the part of the story where things fall apart in a particular way or this is the part of the story where Lane learns this that and the other Mm -mm. Um, so it helps I guess in a kind of Stephen King way, mm, he mm, does mm, that as well. Mm, mm, you know, mm. where he kind of warns you what's ab- he tells yeah. you what's about to happen, and then he unfolds yeah, it. Yeah, um, but I also think that that is probably a kind of theatrical device, right? And, and you've so ha- your background is theatre. My background yeah. is theatre and playwriting, and sort of loving loving the work that words can do mm. um, in that way. Yeah, and. I, I think I, I I think I started with that and really liked it. So I thought it was a good thing to explore. It's not something I've ever seen before, and I, and I absolutely loved it. The lost property of the title, and I was mm. thinking about this as I was driving in because I hadn't really given much thought to the title until until this morning. Um, it's so apt, actually. There's so much that's lost in the book. There's the the loss of the marriage. There's the loss of. Uh, childhood in a sense um there's the loss of there's a a, a baby that is lost um for you coming up with a title did you write to a title or did the no I actually had a completely different title oh what was it (laughs) um it I I mean it was a working title no don't do that because I've done that before I'm blushing no don't very bad no mine I've had dreadful ones go on no mine was awful go (laughs) everything is everything I mean, how bad is that? I mean, that's the worst. (laughs) It's so bad. It's not the worst. You know, I'm laughing because I had an absolutely shocking title (laughs) for my second book. And I'm embarrassed when I... Yeah. When I think of back to what it could have been. So that's why I'm laughing. But also, that. you can imagine, Melinda was like, what are you talking no. about? This is rubbish. And I was like, really? She's like, yes, yeah. rubbish. You have to think of a new title. Yeah, yeah. So there, there is a funny story about Lost Property, the title as well, is I'd written a play right. called Lost Property. Okay. Um, which obviously, you know, when you write, literally, I'm going to say it, everything is everything. Mm. You, I write the same story over and over mm, and over mm, again, mm. looking at it from different angles, looking at it with different people. And it, it was a very successful title, but not necessarily for the play. And yep. so the play, so when, when I said to Melinda, these are the titles that I like. 
she was like, well, of course, you've written lost property. This is lost property. Mm. And so... That's how the title came about. The play is now called something else. Okay. <laughs> everything is everything. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think I'll be using that. I love that. That's so brilliant. Megan Horace is our guest in the studio this morning. We're talking about her extraordinary debut novel, Lost Property, that has just had me absolutely gripped. Um, it tells the story of Lane, who discovers that the man that she's been married to for 15 years, who's a nasty piece of work, by the way, um, you just write him just so he just I, I just I wanted to do harm to him. He was awful. He was awful. Um, tells the story of, of, of how Mark... Um, she discovers something unimaginable um, about Mark, and but it but it it's not about Lane and Mark. No, it's it's about uh, it's about unpacking or un or pecking through birds. So on the cover of this book, you'll rem- you'll know, folks, if you're a regular listener to the show, you and and Mel Melinda Ferguson does her regular cast lot with me. You might have heard her talking about her bird. She's completely mad. Um, she, she's adopted this bird. This bird turned up at her house as a small. Well, no, d- d- she found it. She a found tiny, this tiny little little two day old bird that was on the verge of death. She's nursed it to health. She thought it was a male. We think it's a female. It's come back with a partner. It's given birth to another bird. Don't think that's how it happens. Anyway, his name is Messi, and he features on the cover of your of your book. Yes, um, and. Birds feature yes. the theme of birds. There's something quite eerie about yes. birds. Um, the birds, <laughs> the birds. Um, there's something quite eerie, but also quite magical, mystical, hopeful. Their possibility of flight is hopeful. The idea that their wings can be clipped is unhopeful. The it's there's such a in terms of using them as a literary device mm. was it always going to be birds and why birds like do you have a i've i mean i've always grown up with a thing for birds have you? but not i mean i'm interested in them i find them so beautiful yeah um it's probably the only reason why i'll ever go and visit australia again right because birds yeah um and obviously also growing up in joburg there are the Joburg birds. Yeah. And so being, I'm, I've now been in Cape Town for more than half my life mm. and it's a totally different thing. So birds have always been a, th- a thread for me, but I think that birds are the crossovers. Mm. They cross over from the very real mundane into a more symbolic space, into a more spiritual space, into a more, into a darker space yeah. that can be articulated through flight and wings and death. Yeah. I think they do all of that. And um, I like how they can travel across those spaces. That, you see, it it dawned on me as I was reading, and I never given much thought to birds, really, but it dawned on me as I was reading um, that, you know, a bird can come and sit on my windowsill and look into my living room. And then it can go and fly two kilometres in the other direction and sit on a windowsill and look into someone else's living room. Exactly. And that's weird and it's wonderful. wonderful and weird. Look, I think that birds are, I mean, they're also quite cruel. 
yeah. and complicated and it's very difficult for un- for us to understand them. Mm. Just a tiny, just a, th- a thing that I also always think about is how fragile their hollow bones are. It does my head it's in, weird, actually. You know. It does my head in mm. how fragile they're... Okay. Yeah. One of the other things that you talk about in the book, a beautiful relationship, is that of Lane's childhood nanny, Dora. Um, and it's a it's a very it's a very brave writing that you do. And I wonder how many other um, white people have allow themselves to get this honest with their... Rela- There's an awful lot of people, of, of, of white people in this country who grew up, who were raised essentially by a black woman. Yes. And I wonder how many people have interrogated that relationship um, because it comes with, as you explore in the book, an awful lot of love, an awful lot of lack of understanding, an awful lot of ignorance, an awful lot of guilt some shame in there um exploring that in depth is and and again i I feel like i keep asking you is that you is that you but you grew up with a nanny yes right yes so so i you've i think you've articulated the the word that needs to be said again and that is shame yeah and i think that until you identify the shame that's attached to that absolutely bizarre unhealthy, savage relationship between a virtual slave. Yeah. And until you articulate it with the right words, which are shame Mm. and guilt Mm. and disbelief that that was in any way, shape or form normal. Right. You can't write a true story Mm. about those relationships. And I think a lot of people have attempted Mm. to romanticize or glorify or personalize that relationship as if it was good. But the playing fields were never, ever even playing fields. It's nonsense. And so I had to make a very conscious decision that if I was going to go there, that I treated that relationship with the complete honesty that it deserved yeah and not just and you know you what you could have done was do it purely from so so merle is 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 the mother of lane merle is the Mm. um the chain smoking self-medicating mother of the protagonist you could have you could have done a cop out and and highlighted the inequality and the racism and the this and used and used merle as the the baddie you know, and the 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 white madam and the whatever, and it, and you do talk about that that yes. relationship, but I just thought it was really brave of you to um, and necessary of you to explore it from Lane's point of view because I, I like Lane, um, I get Lane in some parts. I am Lane. I'm someone who goes to therapy and I talk about my you know crap from the past and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but there's a moment at which. You've talked, you know, you you put adult eyes on what that relationship was. Yes. Um, and it's confronting. I think you have to earn the right to write those kinds of stories. Right. And the way that you have to do it mm. is by confronting the reality of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I, and I think... 
if if more people did that and you and you you said something there that's that's so interesting the normalizing the normalizing of the abnormal it is not a normal thing it's not normal and, and what we've done in this country is normalize this um power th- this this strange power dynamic we've normalized we've um, normalized colonialism colonial we've completely normalized it like that's what it was and it was normal yeah still 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 absolutely and i think i hope that the 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 weirdness of cu- the current world we live in comes through in where lane is having to negotiate and deal with her post marriage very cape town existence which is one of separation and divide as well yeah yeah that's so interesting there's a relationship that that lane has um with a little girl um tina and it's tina's a little colored girl and there are moments where you look at the relationship and you go oh, it's so cute and this is happening in there she's playing with the dog and then there are moments and again and i imagine this is where you're you know you you call yourself an anti-racist and so this is this is a a, a platform well it's to, i mean it's 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 a process sure you're an anti-racist in so much as you're doing the you're work. doing the work exactly. got you got you um but there's there's there are moments where lane is aware that she is using her whiteness she's using her whiteness <laughs> full exactly. stop exactly and it's and it's 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 really refreshing to read though but it's also difficult to read because i know kids like teen um i know kids i know her i know people like her mom i know that the community that you that you write about and i've seen um how whiteness can operate in there it's exactly. quite breathtaking isn't it um, exactly and a I, community that it can that just exists and is a you know can just be completely thrown on its head by the existence of some privilege and whiteness and it works the other way around as well right and i think that again i think what's interesting is how we manage our shame and guilt because those can be extremely successful powerful tools to reconciliation yeah. understanding yeah. knowing yeah, seeing yeah. Yeah. I I just briefly want to talk about Mark um who is the the husband in the book and your it it made my skin crawl and I think if anyone's ever been in an abusive relationship an emotionally and psychologically abusive relationship because that Mark is an abuser he doesn't you know punch Lane in the face no. but he is he's so violent in his in his in his emotional and psychological abuse in his in his lack of intimacy in his lack of engagement um writing men like that was it diff- was it difficult to 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 write the character of mark or no um i think initially it was it was difficult to kind of consider but then i also see a lot i think mark is an extreme version because he's how lane perceived him yeah but i think that he exhibits all the usual normal toxic male qualities yeah. that women are, are are often confronted with and silenced by mm. like is that an is that normal is that normal Yeah. Is that okay? 
is it okay to do that? Is it okay to say that? So I think, obviously, I've granted myself the permission to heighten that. But I do see this in men. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there are exceptions to all of that. And I I mean, I don't want to come across as like this man hater. But I think that I think that the the playing fields are in 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 cishet relationships are very carry so much baggage Mm. and they're and they carry colonial baggage Mm -mm. and they carry um, so much violence that it spills over into the domestic with such ease yeah yeah, absolutely, and and the the exactly as you say that you that the thing of is this is this normal is this and then and then the care and then you know the, the patriarchy that makes us the caretakers, um, yep, of you know dealing with unwell man boy childs unwell man childs <laughs> and their either absolute inability to express any emotion or their. Uh, way of expressing emotion is through jealousy and violence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and projection and projection. <laughs> also, the fact that Megan oh, somebody's asking me please um for your name. It's Megan Horrit. Do I pronounce am I pronounced Oh, am I, I love it every time you say it. Am I'm I so there? No. Horrits it is. <laughs> it's Megan Chorrits and her debut no, novel. <laughs> it's Megan Horrits <laughs> and her debut novel Lost Property. Uh please go and buy yourself a copy. Get yourself down to the book lounge or wherever else exclusive blah blah blah. The fact that it is the fact that people know you. So here's here's what I want to know, and, I, and we've got a couple of minutes left. The fact that people know you and they go, "Oh, Megan's written a book. Oh, what's that about?" Um, there are going to be people who, even though it's a novel, yes, are going to say, and the fact that you know you you as you said you divorced and then COVID and and then Mark and all of this kind of stuff, um, and oh Merle and Larry the parents and all. Oh, but do you remember her poor and her so good her parents are gone because they'd be so all of that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? I do. Because well, people say I to do. me, I can't believe you've, re- you've written the things that you've written about your mo- your poor mother. And I go, oh, you know, well, go to therapy. Um, I mean, the interesting thing, if I can just interrupt. Go on. The interesting thing is that my obviously my really close family and friends who do know me yes. all know how much of this isn't true. Right. You know? Right. Okay. And, and okay. so they're, I think that they're actually comforted by that fact. So it's the, it's the next generation, well, not it's the next circle. I get you. And then the circle out there that are like, oh. So has that, have, have people, have you been confronted? Has there been anybody who's come out and said, I know that that was me or I know that you were writing about so-and-so and you've had to go, well, actually, dear, I haven't. No. No. Haven't. Do you, were you anxious that that might happen? Not really. No. I've, I felt like it was going to be very clear. Because you know, yeah, and the people that know know, yeah, and and also I ha- as I said, I've made, I've created people in order to put a very particular point across. Would you ever do a memoir? Uh, yes, I would, but I think that if I did a memoir, I would tell m- my story to tell another story. So I think, I think it really helps if you're a famous person to do a memoir, right? Um. I do. I think it helps. I think that there are stories that I'd like to tell from my own personal point of view. Let's unpack that. Why why do you think that? Because, I don't maybe this is just my stuff. It could just be my stuff. But I think that, I think that if you're a public person, 
there is such deep interest in in, in you your story. You have to be pretty bloody famous, though, for oh. it to be for there to be that significantly more interest. Yes, well, I don't know. I actually, uh, now now you've made me question that. But I think, say for example, your memoir, because you're a public persona, your memoirs actually, there is something so. Uh, well, certainly, even just for me, absolutely fascinating about hearing your no, personal story. No, but I'm going to disagree with you on that. Only yeah. because, yeah, only because nobody knew who I was when Killing Caroline came out. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd only just kind of started getting, mm. uh, you know, the radio. So, so it wasn't really, maybe the second one was a little bit, but then the second one didn't sell as well as the first one. And I, we knew it wouldn't. The second one, the, the first one was a not a fluke, but I mean, the story was well, the... Exactly. The story it was was, it wasn't a, because nobody knew who I was. Such an outrageous story that it was almost difficult to believe. Yeah, that but was what was the interest true. was. Nobody yeah. knew who I was. Particularly I not, you know, so. you know. Yeah. <laughs> she says, thrashing your point into the ground. It's absolute nonsense. No, you're absolutely right. I've changed my mind. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I, so I think, again... I think my interest is in story, and I think it's about earning the right to tell the story. Do you? I'm so interested by this. We're running out of time, but why? Well, but earning it in what in what way? In in a way that, um, in a I think that I think that people are not interested in people just saying I did this and I did that and I went here and I. I think people are interested in what, in what happened and its effect. Yes, but yeah. you don't have to be a famous person or a, no, a, a, no, a no, public no, no, you're right. persona. But I'm just saying you've got to earn the right to tell the story. That it's got to have meaning beyond I get, what happened in I your get life. You. So a, a, a million times a week, people come up to me and go, "Oh, I'd love to write a book, but I don't think anyone would be interested." And then they tell me a snippet of their life, and I'm I'm like on the phone to Melinda, going, <laughs> "I've met this amazing," because because they've lived some hectic yes. stuff. Um, not, you know, and a few times you get people going, oh, I, I think people would love to read my story because I travelled to India and did it. And you go, exactly. Eh, not that interesting. People are interested in how people have overcome hardship. Pe- that's what people are interested in. They're, they're interested in the, the unspoken that we all live and somebody is brave enough to stick their head above the pulpit and go, I lived it. I felt it, whatever. I know you're all feeling it. Use me as a vessel to get th- that. That's what yes. I think. So I think there's definitely that that <laughs> awesome catharsis, I think. that that catharsis, and that then Relating. then you have the world identifying exactly. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I but from as a writer, I'm I'm more interested in telling a story to help people feel different. Mm. So it's not just the relating of. I get the you. incident. Are you working on anything else and when can we read it? No pressure. Uh, yes, I um, can't tell you when. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's very fresh. It's so new. I've only written about 6,000 words. Okay. And it's definitely going to change. But because at the moment it feels like it's a kind of dystopian fantasy no nothing like this <laughs> well it's is a lot like this is but it it's just like the this? dystopian fantasy version do you did you surprise yourself with this novel 
Yes and no. I surprised myself that I wrote a novel. Yeah. But I'm, I, I wasn't surprised by the nature of it. I knew that I had to write something that wasn't a play and I had to write something that wasn't what I had written before. I needed to be more expansive and this became the perfect vehicle for that. Do you think it's brilliant? I don't know. Honestly. I think I I love it. Yeah. I don't know if it's brilliant or not. Yeah, I get you. But I love it. I, 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 it is what I wanted to say. I'm going to say it's brilliant. Oh my God. I'm going to say it's brilliant. Thank you. It's really, it's, it's really brilliant. It's beautiful. It's excruciating. I want everyone to go and buy it. It's called Lost Property and it's by our guest this morning, uh, Megan Horitz. Um, Go and get yourself a copy. It's 8.45.